0: Welcome to a live and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, the podcast that's more 90s than a film about a monkey that has a virus, then releases it to the, oh, wait, yeah. My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. So original, in fact, that certain other shows have started using ideas that we've done in the past, a full oh, year ago as well say no more. Hope everyone is well and you're not being too affected, at least health-wise, by this horrible pandemic that is going around, obviously COVID-19, the coronavirus. It's a funny old time, I realise that, but as I said in the last show, hopefully today we can give you a bit of a break from what's going on outside the world and take you back to a time when there definitely wasn't a pandemic um, and there was a lot more fun in football, at least in the 1990s. And as you have got, obviously, a lot more time on your hands, although if you've got kids like me, it feels like you've got less time on your hands during lockdown. But even so, I'm sure you've been going through Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and whatever streaming services that you've got, catch-up TV and all that. So here's some other... We're going to to give you some other options to watch from the 90s. And these aren't going to be go and watch this match on YouTube, go and watch the Premier League years, because I'm sure you've all seen them over and over again, because I know I have. No, we are today... Of course, this VH and chill, so the chill is optional. But (laughs) we are going to recommend and talk through four films... ...based on football that were released in the 1990s. Uh, fair to say that some have dated better than others... ...but all four, I do recommend, I honestly do... ...for if you haven't seen them before... ...which I assume most of you probably have... ...go back and watch them again. Um, they are available on some places. Uh, you'll hear us on the show trying to discuss where you can find them. I actually, for a couple of them... ...couldn't find them on any online services that I'm subscribed to. So literally... Went into the loft and got an old VHS um, recorder out, which I managed to to still have because there's so much in my loft that's just been hoarded, much to my wife's detriment. Uh, Fired that up, thought it was going to hit, see sparks and everything else, but it did work. And somehow I managed to get it connected to the TV. Not sure how. um, A lot of help from uh, my dad on FaceTime. But we got it connected, and yeah, I played some some videos, some actual VHSs. Um, my daughter was completely baffled to this, what was going on, and what that I was trying to play. She uh, and I think the resolution of it even surprised her, and she's only four, but I think she understood that. Um. After watching watched these films as well, there was still time to take in some Goals Galore and some uh, QPR season reviews as well, which I hadn't seen for Yonk. So really, so I had a fun Saturday night watching those, I'll tell you that. Um, and that's why. All in the good name of research for Alive and Kicking as well. So find out what we make of four films during the 90s. I'll tell you them, because you're going to find out in a matter of seconds anyway. So we look back at When Saturday Comes with Sean Bean. Fever Pitch, based on the book with um, Colin Firth, ID, which is a hooligan film from the 1990s, and a quirky one, which I'm hoping some of you remember, I did post, um, I think, the opening sort of credits to this uh, a few weeks ago on the Twitter feed at AK90s, if you don't follow us already, Uh, My Summer with Des, which, as I say on the show, holds up. Wait for it. It's it's a it's a great little watch. Um, there's a couple of other nuggets we we talk about as well that um Joel watched because um he went into the 2000s, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, we've got an interview as well. Um, star actually the 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 main star of ID the the, the 1995 Hooligan film, Rhys Dinsdale, very accomplished, well known British actor. Currently, um, you got be on our TV screens. He's just turned up in Emmerdale, so you know the top soap. So yeah, he gets chatting id and also huddersfield town which we haven't chatted very much of in this five years i think we've been doing this show now so all very good stuff so yeah get stuck in that's uh let's take you away from lockdown from coronavirus and look back at kind of a 90s film club yeah yeah we can copy too uh and <laughs> this is our vh and chill with myself and the brilliant joel young here on alive and kicking.
1: Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast.
0: Afternoon, evening, morning, or whatever you're listening to, welcome back to Alive and In, giving you a bit of a respite from the horrors that are outside around the world at the moment, with a little bit of VHS and chill, we're calling this episode, as we look back at some of, we'll say some, the only sort of four big films, uh, football films during the 1990s, and to do it alongside me, it feels like it's been a while which since we've spoken football, your social media mogul, your Janino head fan club, Mr. Joe Young. Hey there, Joe.
1: I'm all right. How are you? I was going to say when you say good morning, good evening, good night, or whatever. I don't think anybody knows what time it is of day anywhere. No, do I it, don't so. know what day it is.
0: No, my wife literally said to me and said, "Is it Monday?" Like, like a genuine question because yeah, as as everyone is probably experiencing, every day feels exactly the blimmin' same at the moment. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is. So we, I um, hope everyone is out there is staying safe and adhering to all the rules and regulations and stuff. I know it's tough out there, but hopefully we can give you a bit of fun in this sort of forty minutes or so. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, why well, should you know? We've had to suffer more watching some of these films.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always as we will obviously discussing in some detail when you think of these films, you always have those rose-tinted glasses on. Then you actually watch them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and and you feel like hmm, maybe I wasn't quite convincing enough myself. The fair these...
1: thing to say of every single one of these films is they are very much of the time.
0: Yeah, they well, well, I don't even know if some of them are. Went, we'll get on to when Saturday comes, but I mean, that, there's so many stereotypes in that film. I don't even know. Even in 1990, was it six? Well, that was that 1986?
1: Uh, yeah, well, that
0: was ringing true. It but... really
1: is. It, I mean, that really is. A, a when Saturday comes is a Roy of the Rovers story should we, well, should
0: we start that? i was going to finish with when saturday comes It seems as, as we've sort of rolled ourselves into that should we start with when saturday comes because yeah
1: oh dear me um so when saturday comes starring yeah. sean bean
0: yeah released on the 1st of march 1996 uh directed by maria guise which okay. you never heard of, one of only three feature films she's ever done uh the other two never heard of and we're like 10 15 years apart so she obviously didn't have an extensive career in the, in the directing game, which I don't know if that says a, a good thing or a bad thing about this film. Um, but yeah, you said, Sean, I, I, the first note I made, I made about When Saturday Comes is this is starring Sean Bean in between Goldeneye, which was, you always forget he's a, you know, he's a brilliant villain.
1: He's in, 008, yeah. Yeah, he's a brilliant oh, villain. England, James.
0: And then he follows it by Anna Karenna. So, you know, eclectic mix. So
1: maybe. Well, I mean, let's be honest. He is a um, Sheffield United fan. Yes, so yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure that was a massive part of him uh, taking the role in the first place. But it, it just is—it's we're going into cliches, but it's boys own Roy Roy the Rovers stuff gone mad. It's also extremely, extremely laddie as was the culture of the time. Um, the scene where um, he, he's, at, he's he goes to a birthday party the night before he's meant to make his debut. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and peer pressure being what it is. Instead of just having a coke, it's it's his masculinity he can't handle just having a coke. The night before he makes his debut for uh, Sheffield United, so he has like twelve pints of snakebite or something, and gets, loads of whiskey and and lap dances and strippers and all that business. It's, one of them uh, has a
0: Sheffield United tattoo on her rear, if I remember rightly, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so,
1: I mean, basically, this is this is the story of. Uh, what's he called? Jimmy Muir. Jimmy Muir. Jimmy Muir, yeah. who is um, a factory worker. He's, he's given two choices in life. He can go down the pit or he can uh, work in a factory when actually the last pit in South Yorkshire closed in 1993. So he didn't have the option of going down the pit, but that <laughs> wasn't really there for the scriptwriters to deal with. So that was fine. Um, what is funny is that it, 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 there's a few sort of football cameos in it, but uh, Mel Sterling's in it. Who, yeah. Who made about 400 appearances or something for Sheffield Wednesday? I,
0: I really tried to find the why behind Mel Stirland. It's just it, in Sheffield. Yeah, even in his autobiography, there isn't a lot on it.
1: Um, the, the he does call Emily Lloyd a writer. Cow. Cow. Yeah. <laughs> in, in his autobiography, talking about making this home, Emily Lloyd plays Sean Bean's long suffering girlfriend in this. You know, it's very much a northern grit come on son, make good of yourself you know, cliche ridden thing um, but she yeah. apparently was
0: meant to have a northern accent I read on one of the articles but the director wasn't convinced of her northern accent so they gave her an Irish accent which, which is terrible as well <laughs> which is yeah, questionable at the best of times, um, I don't even know I should have checked, where is Emily Lloyd even from? Is she, I know Emily she's
1: in... London, it's, she's Roger Lloyd like, Pack's daughter there you go Oh is she? Yeah, it's his daughter, yeah
0: Never knew that. So yeah, so she was given an Irish accent. So I don't know why they just. I
1: mean, the Northern accent must have been pretty horrendous. Terrible.
0: Why not just hire a Northern actress if that's what they were going for?
1: Might have been a might have been a money thing, a production yeah. thing,
0: production thing. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that people always talk about when Saturday comes is, I mean, there are many ridiculousness in this film. Are, yes, let's go. Like you have to suspend your your belief. A little bit watching this because Well was for a never, start
1: it's Jack, who run, it's Jack who runs The dog in the pond On Hollyoaks I know He's I the really
0: manager it. I literally didn't realise that Until I watched it this weekend And I was like That's that bloke From Hollyoaks Graham <laughs> No George McCabe." Yeah George the, McCabe. The archetypal, yeah archetypal No nonsense Scottish football manager Of the time Yeah
1: I wonder who He could have been based on
0: Yeah is the Because I, I didn't remember His name The barman stroke dad From Hollyoaks Is my note on that And I was like Oh yeah who's Is he still in it in Hollywood, I have watched it for a long time. It's yeah. off at
1: the minute, anyway, isn't it? They've run out of episodes.
0: Oh, have they? Oh, I do, yeah, yeah, they've yeah.
1: run out, yeah.
0: Whenever, whenever I used to catch it, I used to watch it in the early days and on you know, Sunday morning hangover days as well. But if I catch it now, and I, I can't remember the last time I did, he was still in it, and I was just like, Molly, yeah, hell, here's him and Darren, I think, someone else who's been
1: in yeah. it. Yeah, there's it a few well. of them. I've watched it in a long, long time. You've no.
0: Back, yeah, back in the day, yeah, Kirk Benson, wasn't it? I think back in the first. <laughs> back a bit now.
1: Yeah, that's uh, like 25 years ago when it started,
0: oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we digress. um Yeah, I mean, I think the main you know, obvious flaw in this as well is that Jimmy Muir, played by Sean Boone, is meant to be about 26 in this, which is a little bit. Yeah, He's 36 when this film is filmed. And no disrespect to Sean Bean; he's always always looked about 36 as well. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's questionable at the best of times, but yeah. I mean, even you think even today at age when kids get picked up at 16, you wouldn't find a 26 year old very rarely now making a you know professional debut picked up from non league. It doesn't happen. Very often, even the Jamie Vardy story, he had to come through you know Fleetwood Town before he could go straight to the Premier League. Um, or a couple there, uh, did they actually say Premier League in this? Because technically, at the time, Sheffield United were a second tier club,
1: yeah. In, uh, in the world, um, uh, they played the FA Cup semi final is the big game, yeah,
0: which is played midwinter on a Monday, yeah,
1: yeah, at uh, and, the, and they played it at Bramble Lane. <laughs> I mean, I know that, you know,
0: football films are ridiculous, but those little things, surely as a director or, or, or some sort of should have done a bit of
1: research on Yeah,
0: it. I mean, you worked in telly most of your career. Surely there's a researcher that does these sort of things to find Well, out.
1: You, you would, yeah, you would think so on dramas, but uh, I think they don't particularly care, no, really. No, there they is, don't care. What I did find on YouTube when I, I went and watched this and then later on is I found um, Sean Bean on TFI Friday, Oh, OK. Talking about this this very role, uh, which is just, you know, more of the same. He talks about how brilliant the stripper scene was and how they got to get drunk all day because they used real booze while they were doing it. So that was, you know, maybe a bit of method acting there uh, on getting pissed and leering at women. Uh, and then <laughs> oh, this, really, nice. <laughs> this really weird thing where they go to a break and they come back and then it's like, you know, like a kissing boo that you would see at a fun fair. Yeah. or something, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a pound sort of thing for charity yeah. or whatever, well it's like a get beat up by Sean Bean Sean Bean booth and like everybody who walks past puts a pound in the slot and he either nuts them or punches them, women included <laughs> so <laughs> I it's, like, it's a bit weird to push uh, when Saturday comes the uh, manly, very masculine
0: it's very, it's like it's pretty much a, a copy of Loaded in a film isn't it it's very yeah,
1: everything and, and he comes on and, and of course the most ridiculous bit is he, he scores the goal
0: obviously I mean, it, I mean it always happens you know even in films like goal that which was obviously later in the next decade they always score the winner and um, this is a penalty is he because he scores that um, sort of well, you we can't tell from the cinematography what sort of goal it is, but it looks like some sort of worldie. Then he gets a <laughs> penalty, um, which was actually recorded during a game at Brown. I remember this, the actual game, because United were wearing that blue and white the kit. The blue white kit. Yeah. yeah,
1: it looks like Phil Neville, doesn't it, who he clatters? Yeah, yeah,
0: an FA Cup game in uh, January '95, And I'm, I couldn't find... I was trying to find the interview that I'd, I'd seen or read somewhere um, where Sean was talking about that moment going on the pitch at half-time and the fans not quite sure what they were looking at, why Sean Bean was doing it. Um it's the same thing actually our guest today, which we'll get to in a bit, talks about when he was filming the um the film that he was talking about, which we'll sneak peek in a minute. Um but yeah I mean there's lots of other little I mean, the, the training montage as well. It's like rocky isn't it? It's like somehow
1: it's, it's got to have you've got to have a training montage. Gotta, gotta have a montage. He got to sweat all that beer out of his system.
0: Yeah. But all, all it takes is one montage and a you know a little nod and a wink from Pete Pottleweight to the bloke from Hollyoaks, and he's got his name on the bench. Of, uh, he's got a chance for Sheffield United on the trial. I mean, it's 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 the same. It's too easy. I, even in 1996, it's, I know you have to go, OK, it's just a film. But, I mean, come on. It, it was never that easy. And then you've got such 90s cliches with the big bath with him being, you know, you see his oh, right you see,
1: yeah, see his ass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty obligatory at that time. On yeah. So you couldn't move without seeing Sean Bean's ass, Whether <laughs> he yeah. was on Sharp. Or whether he was oh, on cool any chance. Yeah. yeah, everything else that he was on, he had, his arse had to be exposed at some point.
0: Yeah, definitely. Muddy pitches as well. He's in non league as he could sign for Hallam, first of all. We're not talking about this film in any sort of chronological order, but no. He- he starts, uh, yeah, he starts with Hallam in the first instance. And, they I mean, it's every non-league, Sunday league stereotype you could find in that as well. Muddy
1: pitch. Yeah, gets it. then he gets spotted. <laughs> then he goes the, yeah, he to the next place. Then he goes, it's just ridiculous. And, and, you know, Tony, Tony, Tony Curry
0: as well. Tony, Tony Curry. Tony Curry's massive.
1: in it. Yeah, he's, he's the scout who…
0: Who struggles to play himself in, in yes. the
1: field. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, it's…
0: It's a very peculiar film. Yeah, and it's so gritty as well. Like, it's proper northern. Yeah. Like, this this is... Obviously, you're not from Sheffield. You're from even further
1: up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really sort of... What's the word? it's it, yeah it's all got that supposed greenness that i think films kind of 90s film have it's like they'd all sort of watch shallow grave and train spotting i suppose and everybody had to take something from everything although i think it's like just before train spotting um but shallow grave not um yeah it's all it, it's just yeah it's, it's meant to be a loaded a loaded version of roy of the rovers with added grit and, and <laughs> yeah, bile and, it. <laughs> and yeah. the man of folly yorks and that's it and of course he scores the winner although i am disappointed we don't get to see what happens in the final
0: yeah i know they should have added that on i did read somewhere that there is a sequel that's been written Oh god! so i uh, clearly no one's ever wanted to pick it up but there is this small part of me that thinks jimmy are the manager i might be quite interested in seeing that
1: when seeing if he's embittered and twisted, It's maybe yeah. it's got a bit of a feel, and this is going to sound stupid, but it's because he's you know, because he works in the factory. But like Saturday night and Sunday morning, the classic Albert Finney, and I'm sure that was kind of part of the oh, idea okay. behind yeah, it, been, and then, yeah. except it's you know, it's no nowhere near that. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that's how it was pitched. Royal Rovers crossed with Saturday night and Sunday morning, but yeah, um, silly, ridiculous, but you know, it's an hour and a half, isn't it?
0: Yeah, at the moment it fills some time. This is kind of what we're doing as well while we do this show is to, to fill some time. If you're really that bored and you've run out of Netflix and Hulu and whatever, Amazon Prime, whatever, then we're giving you some tips here. Whether they're good ones or not, I apologise. But yeah. you want to be thrown back to the 90s for an hour and a half when Saturday comes. I also spotted Brian Packham from Coronation Street is uh, oh. one of his one of his mates in it as well. So okay. he, current Corrie watchers, which I sadly am because the wife loves it. Um, yeah I was like is that Brian quick Google and there he was, was like, oh, there he oh, yeah. was okay,
1: There he was in oh, in a in
0: pub with his mates and his brother who sadly <laughs> dies halfway through the film doesn't he and another kind of grim moment oh, uh, for, for Jimmy I can't,
1: I'm feeling too emotional you know he gets put through the mill doesn't he Jimmy
0: he does could have been literally a mill if this was called, you know, a few decades earlier couldn't it all the factories what, what factory did they work in is it a bottle factory or something I can't remember Can't. yeah I can't even remember It's probably still it <laughs> is Sheffield now yeah, um, I thought, how did you watch this? Because I've got the DVD, I don't know if this is actually available
1: anywhere anymore. Is it? I managed to get a downloaded hooky coffee of it.
0: Oh, uh, okay, it's not uh, on usual stream. No, I couldn't stream. find it anywhere. No, no, I didn't think. I think actually, every film we're talking about today isn't available on official streams. So, i oh, heard. no,
1: I got ID on uh, I got ID on Amazon Prime.
0: I oh, was on Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, but no, this one definitely isn't. And even the last one we're going to talk about, you can find nowhere. And the only thing I found was my old VHS. But we'll talk about <laughs> it in a second. Um, seeing, seeing as we've talked about it, here's the trailer for, for when Saturday comes to get you, if you haven't seen it, here's a little tidbit for what it's all about.
2: If you could have been a footballer, you'd have been snapped up by England schoolboys two years ago. You shaky little git. I don't need to go down to the careers office to know how you'll end up. Morning Judd. Morning Jimmy. What time of day do you call me? What?
0: I'm nine minutes late. Uh, Who's that, Bullneck? You can forget about getting your leg over with uh... her. She'll come out with me. Well, I don't know if my husband would be too happy about that. You married? You know, I don't know, yoking. She'll come out with me then. Bullmeck tells me you're an expert footballer. I'd love to see you play sometime. Ken
2: Jackson, coach for Allen Football Club. We're looking for a good right winger. Another brilliant performance there tonight, laddie. He was here tonight, you huh? know? Mm. Tony Colley wants to give you a trial. Jimmy, it's your trial tomorrow. You want to make it a quiet night? Good pointy. Thank you, Have seven large wishes, please. <laughs> Where the bloody hell of you been? You smell like a brewery. you out, son. You couldn't have caught it or better if you'd have tried. Is this what you want? Strippers and boozers? Huh? You. You're sorry? You're selfish. But potential's no bloody good if you haven't got the courage to do something with it. I'm too kid. I know you do that. You better not blow it. Won't blow it won't game. There's
1: a game tomorrow.
2: Seems to let you play.
0: Oh, see, it sounds like you can feel the grittiness out of that. You definitely can. Um, talking of grit, and this is a different grit. This is pure London grit, even though it wasn't filmed there. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is a film that, again, before I watched it, and I get I haven't watched this for since maybe not, not the time, because I don't think I watched it at the time, maybe 10 years I haven't watched it for. It's the first real proper film about hooliganism, um, football hooliganism, and it's ID. Uh, f- released fifteenth of May two thousand and two thousand and five. Idiot nineteen ninety five. So twenty five years ago, directed by Philip Davies, which I
1: didn't realise. Philip Davies from uh, Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia
0: p- and more more recently in modern times, he pops up in like uh, what is it, uh, White Church? Is that
1: he's been, in, East, he's been in Eastenders, Cold yeah,
0: Dark, that sort he, of. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: a th- yeah, yeah. But it's it's because the first thing I thought when I watched this is. I don't know whether it's his directorial debut, but it's very quadrophenia e in parts, you know, because it sort of follows the same path of kind of a, a, a man who's just getting on with his life and is then dragged down a different path. And, yes. and Quadrophenia is that kind of story as well, really, than uh, this is. But uh, ID is another one. Uh, it's you know all grit and filmed in that 90s way where everything had to look very serious uh it's another one where you play that's him off that isn't it uh Jane hunt yeah. turns up philip glenister um, billy mitchell yeah billy mitchell's in it he's another one of the of uh, the undercover coppers Dr. with him somebody oh, there's a guy off
0: coronation street it's Dr. like truman off east enders as well um, yeah he, he's, he's in it?
1: it so there's uh warren clark's in it of course yeah. The guy who runs the bar, Joe Wicks's mother off EastEnders, Lorraine. Yes, Wicks. Lorraine. Yes, she turns up in it. Um, so, basically, so basically, it's, it's basically part. everybody who's been in anything <laughs> in the 1990s is in um, ID at some point. So the story is
0: uh, well, Rhys Dinsdale, who we can, I oh, well, I've probably said it in my intro already, which I haven't done, but I will do. Rhys Dinsdale is our, <laughs> is our guest um, on today's show. Joel, you sort of got in touch with him on Twitter, and he has been kind enough to give us. Um, some, some of his time during lockdown so we'll we're gonna give him most of the chair to talk about id in the interview i did um last week but reese dinsdale i mean he's a name he's just turned up in emmerdale actually he's now in uh, the
1: A yeah a- he's in coronation street he's in home to roost with john thor uh then did this and just has been around on the scene forever and ever and ever but it's the story of a of a undercover police thing and uh, his character becomes infatuated with uh, the whole hooliganism and the crime and the violence and all the rest of it. Famously, the first time I watched this was with my best mate and um, his his mother and father were out and we were just watching it. And then, of course, his dad walked in just at the sex scene where he's shagging his wife up against the wall. He walked in and went, get this filth oh, off. You're like, it's, it's, it's a football <laughs> film. Oh, yeah, it looks yeah, like it's a football is. film. Like, no, 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 that's genuinely what happened. It's, a, it's, a, it's about football. Yeah, turn this filth off. I'm like, oh, Christ. When it went know. around my school, I remember that when it
0: came out. Because it, it, it was about football, but it was obviously in 18, it was said to be violent. But the violence is actually not that s- strong in it. I don't know if we've just been a bit numb. More to
1: that su- I think it's more suggestive, suggestive isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but it's all about the uh, Shadwell Town, Shadwell Army Shadwell Town, yeah yeah, and uh, how they suddenly uh, one thing I did find funny is how they've all got to become total train spotters um, about Shadwell and every single team and at the beginning the the head of the police in their unit just doesn't know anything about anything and just keeps getting everything wrong Uh, and considering this group of hooligans had, had about three weeks previously found uncovered a load of un- undercover policemen in there and, and battered them they're not particularly suspicious against uh this lot there's a couple of sort of moments where they nearly get things wrong but they seem to go for them
0: mm, yeah it's, i mean it's loosely based so it will as i had to talk to reese about um, a book that's called running with the firm that actually came out after the film but the stories that that were muted about the time was has been included in the book and that's what the The film's based on, and also it's not been confirmed, but I think the teams in it are kind of Millwall West Ham. That's kind of where they're coming from, Shadwell Town, and I think it's Whopping FC, yeah, the the Whoppers. I think they're called, who are the rivals. So it's again a sequel to this was actually filmed and released called ID Two Shadwell Army. Never seen it. Came out in August 2016, so it's probably rubbish.
1: Well, I, um, what are you gonna get back to
0: 25 years i uh, know absolutely because like
1: 21 years later, why,
0: later sorry why make a hooligan film in 2016 talk about a sort of era of football that's pretty much not there anymore it's mm. uh, i don't I don't feel any need to watch that um but what I will say I mean I think the best and most kind thing we said about this when we were texting Joe is that it's not aged brilliantly in <laughs> no um, but it's still better than any kind of late sort of going into the next day. And I'm looking at the green streets and yeah, football, factory,
1: football factory, Football factory, it, Danny, uh, boy. Yeah. anything with Danny Dyer, yeah, yeah, just ignore all, all those.
0: Um, but let's let's let Reese tell the story um, about the film, how he got involved, uh, filming, what, he, what the film means to him and his career. Um, here's me talking to Reese Dinsdale, star of ID, uh, last week on Alive and Kicking. Joining us on the line now, real pleasure to speak to this guy. He will soon be joining you on your screens in a, one of the biggest soaps on TV, so look out for him. But we're going to hop back to a, a time, 1995, 25 years ago, where this this man led the line in one of the cult football films of the decade. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, Reese Dinsdale.
2: Thank you very much, Ash. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well. How are you doing in this weird old world? I assume, obviously, like everyone else, uh, lockdown. How's that going in, in your world?
2: Oh, it's, it's strange, my friend, isn't it? And for everybody, um, but, you know, I've got no complaints because I'm not at the front line there. with The NHS workers and the care workers and, you know, the, the shop workers and the delivery drivers. So I, I'm not complaining at all. It's, um, I'm very grateful for what's going on out there.
0: Exactly, yeah. People keeping us safe. Exactly, that's the main important, staying safe. So let's try and give people some, from some respite from the horrors of what's going on in, in 2020 and Go go all the way back Um, So 1995, um, a film called ID, which is kind of, I would like to say, as I said in the intro there, kind of a cult status, one of the first real films set around hoodlism in in this country as well. Um, How did you come about it? Because the reputation of football films generally overall is always a little bit on the hokey side, a little bit of going into it. How did this project land in your lap? What do you remember about the early days?
2: First of all, it was 94, because the film came out in 95, but we shot it in the spring of 94. Um, so uh, that's that's when we did it. Um, I probably got the role in the kind of January, February of that year. Uh, I believe, I don't think I'm, I'm making this up in any way, shape or form, but it was a very coveted role. Um, you know, there was... They couldn't quite decide on who they wanted, and there were a lot of bigger names than me in the frame. Um, I... I was the last person they saw. They didn't want to see me beforehand because prior to it, I'd done a, a comedy series with John Thor called Home to Roost. And I was, whilst I'd done lots of heavy drama, like threads and stuff about the nuclear holocaust and things like that, they considered me a light, a lighter actor, mm-hmm. a lightweight in some ways. My agent at the time was a very powerful agent and she kept banging on their door saying, you're mad, you should see him. And what they wanted was the character to move from one kind of um, mindset to another, of course. And people who've seen the film will know it's one man descent into hell, really. And um, if you're casting some of those players, and I hesitate to say it, but I'm going to do If you're casting a Tim Roth or a Sean Bean, uh, you kind of know where it's going to go, the film. yeah. And so they succumbed eventually to seeing me, and I thought, well... I've only got one shot here because they're not, they're not keen. So I did a screen test straight away with them. I learned it. I absolutely went for it. Um, And in a way that I'd never done before on a screen test, because you, you know, you do your thing, but this character required some of the scenes to be really out there. So I hit them straight between the eyes, really, with with, uh, my best attempt at a London accent. And then uh, with my, you know, just went completely crazy in the room. I could see the shock on the producer from the director's faces, and um, it was in the bag pretty much um, a day or two later. So uh, it was that's how I got it. Um, and then what did I do with it? We, the director Phil Davis, who's a, a very well-known actor. Um, yeah, he was one of his first ventures was to direct. He hadn't done an awful lot since he actually gave up quite soon. Yeah, I, I was
0: surprised in researching it because I didn't realise he directed it because obviously he's probably yes. best known. Well, he was Yeti, wasn't he? Yes, In The, in the Firm. Yeah.
2: Um, which came before him, which was a terrific piece. Gary Oldman was amazing. Yeah. And they all were. And, um, you know, from my mind, and I haven't seen the others, I've never seen a football hooligan film since ID, but I saw The Firm and um, I think you would have to go a long way with all the other ones that come out. I won't mention any names, but uh, to better either of of the firm or, or ID, even though I say it myself. Mm. Um, but Phil directed it, and I suppose with this role, it was the closest I'd ever come to doing a kind of method style uh, piece of acting. Uh, I worked with him for probably about three to four weeks on my own. We used to I used to come in three or four times a week into central London in a, in a kind of dingy basement where this the film company was... Uh, Operating from, and we'd improvise the character and do. Even though it was scripted, the whole thing was scripted. It was just mm-hmm. to find my backstory on the character to make sure I, I was grounded at every single second of the film, so that when I got went back to the text, it was just plain sailing. So easy that I, I knew where his his chart was, his, his 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 graph, as it were, of his descent, and also the way I walked and where I moved changed, and how I held myself slightly differently as he got slightly more beery and heavier and and all the rest of it. So there was a lot of work done and I also did a lot of background that's never shown in the film about the characters, where he came from and I I made up, you know, a a town just outside London where he came from and I went to find a town like that and I I looked at whether, I picked a house that was his house and I looked at the park and I looked at the police station and and all the Mm -hmm. rest of it. So it was a massive job for me and I was the only actor who did that work um, because I, it's a massive film with great characters and lovely people and t- terrific actors were in it but I'm not being arrogant to say centrally there is this it's his journey yeah oh absolutely yeah you, you, you <clears> it yeah so well. yeah and Phil needed to get that right and he, and, and he knew that if that wasn't right the film would just be a flimsy look at football hooligans and in the time held on to a tenuous link of some man's you know uh, psychological decline and so I think that's the greatest achievement that I had we had that we we nailed his the character. And that's why I think it holds true because um people could see in front of their eyes it, it absolutely fall into bits scene by scene by scene. Um has that answered any of your
0: question I don't know. I <laughs> rambled on a bit there. No, no, it's it's fascinating to hear because and for anyone who hasn't even seen the film, it's a, it's a great insight into to what is a, a really it's very like you mentioned the other hooligan films that followed it like you didn't mention names but we think things like Green Street the idea yeah. was so much more grittier and and, and yeah. felt real and that's clearly because you spent so much time in the character. I mean, there's rumours I've read online that it was loosely based on sort of London rivalry like Millwall West Ham. Did Phil or yourself ever? Um, use it's not. Those it's colors?
2: not. A, a, it's a, it's a true story you know you know honestly it's um the actor <clears throat> who, who who is based upon he wrote a, he was he was this guy um and he he's an actor now sorry the, the copper uh, uh, is it, it, now a, an actor it says a lot about acting doesn't it that he turned to our our profession eventually <laughs> um but um he, he 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 lived through this he did he did go under undercover, and it was um I think it's safe to say. Uh, well, maybe I, I don't know. Well, let's just say a, a, a famous uh, south-east London yep. club. Um, it doesn't take a, a, the whole leap of imagination to work that it always and, uh, and another one, but just kind of north of the river. Yes. Um, on the same side of town. Uh, with were the big rivals. And uh, he, he he went through this, and eventually the police force got rid of him, and he turned to being, being an actor. And there's a book. Uh, I think he's running with the pack.
0: Yes, running I'm with
2: the sure. firm. Running with the firm. Running with the firm. Running yeah. with the firm. Um, and so uh, it's a tr- it's based on a true story. Mm. So uh, you know he he saw this. He witnessed this. He was fascinating to, to hear. I think he wanted to be in it too, uh, but they couldn't they couldn't risk it mm. because it, it tied him to his story and the real clubs. That's why everybody's called things like time burn and stuff. And I can't remember now, but the whoppers and the all this stuff. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. Wopper, yeah, something that's
0: there, there, yeah. yeah. And, you feel, and I read, although it's set in London, a lot of it was filmed at sort of more up to, towards the north of the country with rather yeah, well, well, Valley Parade. Yeah, well, it was all over. Yeah, it was, it
2: was, Um, there was some German money in it. Uh, You know, you, phone financing, you have to go everywhere to get yeah. the cash. And so we had a a, a very famous German cameraman shoot it who just done Fitzcarraldo. And um, there was German crew, half a German crew, half British crew. Um, and we shot three weeks around Bermondsey in London. We shot about maybe 10 days, something like that, maybe a little bit less, but something like that up in Sheffield, Bradford, Rotherham. And then we went to Germany for a week because because we have got this German crew, we went to Hamburg to film. And, and there's a section, a whole section in the film that's been cut. And we did John, the character, and uh, went went AWOL around Europe halfway through it. And he went to follow England. And he was causing mayhem and meeting up with all these far-right guys um, on the streets of Germany. But that never made the cut in the end because it, it felt like a, a, a distraction from yeah. the journey of the character. I can see, yeah. So... The reason we we went to Germany is to shoot all those street scenes and cafe scenes and, and, and throwing, you know beer around and disturbing chairs and restaurants, and uh, and but then some of the interiors, all the police station stuff that's meant to be in London, was shot actually. The interiors were shot in Hamburg. So that's how it came about. We shot at we shot at Millmoor. Uh, Millmoor doubled as uh, the kennel behind the goal. Yeah. That was, the, and then it was time Burn Away, where Gumbo gets the dart in his head. Yeah. And then we shot at Bradford City, where I go in with a handful of others and take on the the whoppers uh, back of the goal and, and and get hold out by the two coppers and then escape down the side of the um, uh, the touchline. That was Bradford City. That was the first shot ever, in fact, the, the being carted down the touchline in front of. A, a, a live game and nobody in the in the crowd had a clue what was going on so they saw this job being taken I, down the line by two coppers they all thought it was real <laughs> and uh, we did it just before uh, kickoff just before the players came out on a real game between Bradford City and Hull City and the reason why in the end that uh, Shadwell Town play in black and amber black and gold is because it, the, the away fans on that day were Hull City no, and they had to match from that point on so that's that's why those colours were chosen um, but we did that at Bradford City and then funnily enough we had to do a second take at half time and the crowd knew was something was going on now because it was exactly <laughs> the same thing and and actually Phil Davis was terrible and he got them all over the loudspeaker speaker saying throw whatever you want at him sweet, anything <laughs> cups of tea blah, blah. so you see some stuff hailing raining down on me and it's, yeah. uh, it's the, Bradford City fans having a, having a good time mm-hmm. um, but the other bit uh, where was the... the, 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 oh, that's the oh, outside the Lake noria was when we first walked to the ground. Oh, okay. Uh, when we walk, were walking right, down to right. the, yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, so...
0: Was there ever any concern? Because obviously this came out mid nineteen and by that point, football was kind of on the turn, going away from hooliganism. Was there any concern that this film may heighten that again? yeah I don't know about that. My memory's...
2: I've lost it all now. It's so long ago, but... Um, um, I'll tell you what... What is a bit disappointing, I have to say, is that, as I've said already, this was a serious look at one man's journey into yeah. hell, as if, as if violence were like a drug, and it's, it's addictive. And that a lot of people got that and took that and enjoyed it for that. But I'm afraid, I suppose, a lot of lads who uh, watch football enjoyed the more violent side. Ironically, there's very little that you never see much violence in the film. You think you do, but you don't. Um, it's not ma- massive. You know, there's a smashing yeah. of the back of a bus and there's a, they cut before me and, and me and whatever, there's a bit of a ruck in a, in a market at burn, where, you know, has John stabbed someone or not? You don't actually see the moment. Uh, but a lot of people still say, oh, I love that film. It's brilliant when you was beating him up and doing this and doing that. Well, in a way, what really kind of hurts me, but, was the fact that the film's not about yeah. hooliganism in one way, and I we I I, I didn't any, in any way want to glorify hooliganism, mm. and the film didn't go didn't set out to glorify hooliganism at all. Yeah, uh, it's just one of those one man story. Yeah, 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 and so. Um, it's 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 a strange one it's a strange one
0: because I, I do think as with the later films do do that i think you think if you your green street and you're uh, i think that's the, the violence is kind of central to the to the, the uh. theme of the film and i i'm not sure i, I think id is more of a story rather and they're set with a backdrop of Hooganism rather about it which which makes it so so and, and you mentioned yeah. the great people there sean pertwee warren clark's in it yeah, um, I think Doctor Truman from Enders pops up at some point as well. <laughs> yeah, and Perry, Perry Phoenix in it as well. Yes, he is. Phil yeah.
2: Blenister, Phil Blenister.
0: some great like names from Mars and some absolutely great names. And um, I'm, I'm not astonished. It's not available as far as I. On any sort of streaming network. So if you do want to see, ID, I think you know, have to track down. I've got the DVD somewhere, but be Is it, on it
2: on YouTube. It might
0: be on YouTube. Yeah, you're right. It might be on YouTube. It might be on YouTube. It might. But before we, before I let you go, Reese, we wanted to chat to you also about um, your other love in life, other than acting, Huddersfield Town. <laughs> now, now, that's I'll be my team. Yeah, I'll be honest. I hadn't, didn't know you were an Huddersfield fan before I spoke to you. So I haven't done any Fantastic. research. The '90s for me, I don't. <laughs> They don't shout at me for Huddersfield like a bit of a... <laughs> No,
2: they certainly don't. When yeah. I was a
0: kid, when I was a kid, when I was
2: first taken in that, and I'm 107 years old. I really am. When I was <laughs> taken in 1967 by my old man, I just fell in love with the game and loved it. Um, we got promotion from the old second division to the first to the top flight in 1969-70. So we, I, I got it good right from the off. Yeah. And we were top top division, and of course, I won't harp on, but you know we were we were the 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 big- we were the liverpool man city of the age in the nineteen twenties you know one the won the top division three times in a row, so it had been a long time starved of success when I became a fan we got got back up there we lasted two years and then we went plummeting, we went to the depths and and through the nineties of course we we were probably you know floundering here there and everywhere but eventually we got back um yeah. you know as everyone knows and the, and we 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 uh, defied every, uh, all, the, all the odds and got up there you know from a team that was struggling in in the championship um the the year before uh, to um to, to making it to the promised land and then we defied it again by actually um staying up which was never going to happen and we did okay the second year was a disaster but um it's been a long time coming and the 90s were very kind to us <laughs>
0: If you could pick, out, I always ask people this: if you could pick out a player, your favourite player of that era. I mean, the name that instantly springs to mind for me is Andy Booth. Would that? Well, it's Andy.
2: It's, it's always Andy for me. I mean, there's a great chance at still We all dream of a team of Andy Booths, and it's um, number one is Andy Booth. Blah blah blah. But um, he's a, just a, an absolute joy of a human being. He's a he's a great man. He's now ambassador for the team. Uh, for the club uh, I know him well he, he 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 could head a ball Like nobody else Yeah Great header he, he would say He would say himself He wasn't quite Good enough To really Set the world alight He's still there Yeah it's, It wasn't quite there To set the world alight In terms of being A top top premier You know Top league player But he had a He had a few A couple of years At Wednesday Yeah And then he came back home And, and did exactly What he was doing For us Which was scoring goals galore and um and he had I think he had two games for Spurs on loan. On yeah, it's mean, well. one of those
0: random loan spells that when you get those things yeah. so on the media on social media about, do you remember when so and so played for this? He always yeah, pops absolutely. up in that one. But,
2: but yeah. he's, he was—he's
0: a glorious man. He was uh, at the
2: right level, and which was high-end Championship, let's call it, and and the lower-end Premier League, for want of a better word. He was um he he was a terrific footballer. And um, uh, so he's my hero. My boyhood hero, of course, was Frank Worthington. You
0: know, big Frank. One of the original mavericks.
2: Well, absolutely. And he had he had, he had had skill to burn, you know, a talent to burn the man. And he was top-notch. And if he'd gone to Liverpool after leaving Huddersfield and not, say, where he went, Leicester City, and then 24 other clubs after, if he'd gone to Liverpool when Shankly asked for him uh, and he failed the medical, I think... Big Frank, Shankly would have put him in his place and Big Frank would have been the England centre forward for a, quite a while. Yeah. But um,
0: We had the same year Stan Bowles in our QPR parts. So yeah, you, of course. One of we'll the greats. Yeah, one of the greats. Brilliant. Yeah, well,
2: there, was, there was about six or seven of them. We all know the names. We won't go through them, but you, you know who they are and they were just wonderful to watch. and play. But they just had it. They, they, they were flawed geniuses, weren't they, in, yeah. in some ways as well.
1: Yeah. It's like Besties,
2: the greatest player I've ever, ever seen in my life. And uh, I saw him about... Five or six times, um, you know, if he can do that on those bobbly pitches without, with no training and and a, and a gallon of beer inside him, uh, what could the man have done if it had been taken aside and, and, and looked after in a modern age, say today, yeah, playing on carpet,
0: yeah, oh,
2: man alive, the guy was blessed. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying he is. It'll never be answered that argument. Who is the greatest footballer? He can't do it. It's impossible. They're different times. But George was as, as good as anyone. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, thank you very much, Reese. Yeah.
0: Pleasure to talk to you. Um, look forward to and seeing you. you down on Emmerdale Farm in, in the foreseeable future. Yes, sure. I, I think my debut's tonight, but oh, um, there you go. We'll, Change of pace we'll for, see. For, for sure. But um, good luck with All that, right. and um, hopefully, anyone who's not seen ID, check it out. It's one of the best you films too. of the nineties. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Ray. Cheers,
2: Reece. Ash. All the best. We don't have to go to Arsenal every time I'm in London, do we? I would have thought we'd be on that stage now. We'll never be beyond that stage. Would you like a lift? You don't know where I live. Yes, I do. Crouch in. How about you? It's
1: Arsenal.
2: Inside the stadium or just nearby? What
0: well, what's she like? Oh, she's just one of those women, you know. If you like football, you must be a yob.
2: Is she fit? I've seen this film. You end up shagging on the carpet. If we end up shagging on the carpet, then I will buy you a new carpet. I owe you a new carpet. What are those? Iron Knickers Hughes ending up with a yob. <laughs> oh, let's go get Hammond. Yeah! Everyone's like that, you know, you'll be seeing your sister next season. Sisters don't have seasons. Whatever. Yes, yes,
1: yes!
2: 21 years have been going to last man. 21 years. I'm going next week to a football match. It's all a sinister form of male manipulation. Saturday's the one day of the week when I'm not a responsible adult. I'll turn it to someone your age is not as sensible as you. Go! You're careful and and organised and all that sort of thing. I need somebody like that. You need somebody like me. The opposite.
0: I wanted Arsenal to win the league longer than I wanted to do anything. Do you know what you wanted 18
1: years ago? Actually, I don't want to marry David Cassidy. I don't want bigger
0: tits. Well, maybe everyone should want something they've always wanted. Champions! When was the last time you felt this nervous about a league
2: game? I'd watch the big match. Well, I'll be thinking of you tonight. Every now and then, not very often, but it happens, you catch a glimpse of a world that doesn't stop in May and begin in August.
0: you're listening to Alive and Kicking and you've just heard the trailer for the next film that we were going to talk we're going to talk about but firstly let me thank again Reece Dinsdale for that inside look at id I, th- I think he you know he's very fond of the film which i think if you want to go and watch it as joel managed to find it is available did you say on amazon prime amazon joel?
1: prime i got it for three pounds 49 pence
0: oh he actually spent his hard-earned money on it as well yeah yeah,
1: yeah which, in, in these in these money tight times <laughs> i spent three pound fifty but it's not like i'm going to the pub is it so yeah, yeah. A, I you just want to say prime- as well um I think one of... Because he was talking about Huddersfield Town there. Yes, he was. Uh, One of my favourite away trips of the 1990s, Boxing Day, I think in 1998, I think, um, was um, Huddersfield versus Middlesbrough. Um, Terrible game that we won 1-0 when I think it was Merson who took a shot and the ball rocketed in off Kevin Gray's arse. It was so foggy, we couldn't see the other end of the pitch. So we weren't entirely sure whether we'd scored or not. But then, you know, it flashed up on the scoreboard and we all did. So, yeah, uh, that was our promotion season. So, I think that was 97, Yeah. Fun games at the McAlpine Stadium. I was, really,
0: um, I was completely unprepared for Huddersfield because I didn't know he was a Huddersfield town fan. But it was kind of nice because we hadn't really spoke about Huddersfield. I don't think I've ever spoken to Huddersfield about Huddersfield on this podcast before. So it was quite nice. And I was on the spot, I was thinking Huddersfield 90s, what, what comes to mind? And then Andy Booth, Andy Booth, ask him about Andy Booth.
1: Andy so, Booth,
0: yeah. Because it wasn't, yeah, as he said, it wasn't a great time to be a Huddersfield fan in that era. They didn't, in terms of team, they were very much bouncing around the lower leagues. But yeah, great stuff um, from Reese Dinsdale there. That's talk uh, about Fever Pitch then. Of course, a film that was based on possibly arguably the best football book ever written i mean certainly at the time only that and um all played out by is it pete davis is that one ever got that right yeah we need to
1: get him on we yeah me on twitter
0: we'll definitely get him on but those two especially at this time were really the only two very good football fiction books at the time Um, And Fever Pitch is obviously lauded by Nick Hornby. This was released, the the film based on the book, uh, on the 4th of April, 1997, directed by David Evans, um, starring Colin Firth, of course, as Paul Ashworth in the lead, Ruth Gemmell, and and the brilliant Mark Strong, who's absolutely hilarious in in the film. Um, And Nick Hornby wrote the screenplay for this, because it's I say based, it's literally taken one step, because Fever Pitch is his life, if anyone's not ever read the book. It's about his life as an Arsenal fan. This is literally... a a season taken out of that book the 1988-89 season which is of course remembered because of the final game with Michael Thomas and the 2-0 winner Anfield which is the kind of a character in itself in the final stages of this film I think this has aged but I still think it's a great watch fever pitch and I, I don't know about you Joe I don't I always say this when people haven't seen it before I don't think you need to be an Arsenal fan to know to feel the same way that the lead character feels in FEMA pitch about his team
1: no and it's it's kind of the theme of it is is sort of something that Nick Holby talks about in the book as well it, it, he talks about all the things he's sacrificed and you know weddings he hasn't gone to because he's been watching Arsenal at home and things like that and the film is about you know whether he decides that Arsenal is more important than his uh, woman or not and it I like it because
0: it's kind of something we've I think as football fans, we all go through and whether we decide to kind of grow out of it or not, or what way we chase it, because I was, I, I could quite admit, I am more obs- I was more obsessed with QPR than I, than I am now. I'm, I love the club, but it was back in sort of, you know, before I was married and children, it was everything. That was going to the game. If they lost, my whole week was ruined. That's all you thought about. And then life takes over and it's how you kind of path your way through life, where your football club fits. And for this character...
1: Yeah. Like, so Middlesbrough versus Stockport, Stockport County, Coca-Cola Cup, semi, <laughs> semi-final, second leg, and we're winning 2-0 from the first leg, and it was one of my best friends, who continues to be, actually two of my best friends, who continue to be two of my best friends, but they got, it was Natalie's 21st that night, twenty so yeah, so it was 12th of March 1997, and we we all didn't go to the engagement too, she got engaged on the same day, and Andy got engaged on the same day, and we went to the match. <laughs> well, that we says it all. Yeah. We went yeah. to the game, and I would dream of doing that now. I'd be I'd like, be... oh, well, sack that off. We'll, we'll be there. But no, we all went to the match and turned up afterwards at about, you know, half past 10 or something. Um, in, in, in ways that I just, you know, and I think of other things that I've missed and not gone, uh, you know, because of football and things. You know, it's really peculiar stuff I wouldn't do now and w- ways that I wouldn't behave. But, um, yeah,
0: but you do, and I, I think this film shows that. And yeah, you, you can tell it's filmed, you know, twenty odd years ago, which is is, is not. But I, don't, I think the themes of it stay true. Obviously, if you did it now, it'd be very different. There was the American version as well, which came out in the mid two thousands called yeah. Perfect Catch. Which I mean, I I've seen it. Can I own Kimmel. it. Yeah, because it's set in Boston, and I, that's my favourite place in America. So there's a little bit I've got a little vast interest in. I mean, the film itself is a terrible version, but I like yeah. I like that Boston plays kind of a, again a character in it. But I think the same themes apply, and there are so many little things in Fever Pitch that that make me just still laugh today. Some of the quotes like. The trailer, as you heard there, kicks off with him as a kid and his dad asking, aren't we beyond this stage yet? And he just looks at the camera and says, we'll never be beyond that stage. And it's like, <laughs> as a kid, that's what you think. That's it. That's all that matters. Mm. Um, and I think the scene that always uh, resonates with me is the, the end scene where he's watching the game and he and he can't watch it. But he wants to watch it, but he can't watch it. And then the girlfriend who is, you know, it's, it's basically a romantic comedy in a way. So the girlfriend is fed up with football, but she's looking for him at the end. And he just, and he comes out of the window and says, Would you please effing effing eff off? This is the most important time of my life. Because <laughs> like, he's so stressed with that game. And then nothing and then he realizes who it is and he runs down the street and you get the bit of the cliche. But it's those yeah. little moments. Um and I think they're shopping at one point as well. And she's like, What are you thinking? and all kind of, you know sort of playfully but a flirtful way and he tries to say poetry because he's an english teacher in the film and then goes no i was thinking about newcastle i was thinking about david Rowcastle and and if he'll make it for newcastle and it's just like yeah i do do that all the time you drift off that's
1: the opening of the book actually Yes, he, it is. Yeah. Yeah. When he when he says his his wife leans over and says, "What are you thinking about?" And he makes something up and says, "You know, poetry or a book review I read or a play we saw." But actually, I'm thinking about Anders Limpar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: because I do that. My wife will go, "What are you thinking?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's you know about tomorrow and you know if we should give do this for the children." But really, I'm thinking. God, I, I don't know if you know we're going to struggle without Naki Wells scoring the goals this season, you know, <laughs> or some random thought about what should we what should we call an alive and kicking next week, you know? It's it, you do I think this as,
1: is what, this is our plague, this is our plague. yeah,
0: it's how football fans do it, and there's a phrase in it as well that me and a friend of the show who's been on not for a long time, but you he was on the first episode with us, Joel, Paddy, Paddy, um, yeah. yeah, who should come back on if he's listening, which he should be, uh, but we <laughs> we still say it now that especially when there's no tournament in the summer, is there's a question she asked him, well, what do you do when there's no football? And he says, sit in the park and wait for the fixtures to come out. And we literally <laughs> say that now, like, well, we just literally, we use the word, you sit in the park. It's kind of a thing. It's become a thing to us. Like <laughs> during the summer, we use that as a reference to, yeah. It's, and, and the line, I think there's a line as well in it that he says, when everyone, anyone thinks of Arsenal, they think of me. And he finds that a really comforting feeling. And I kind of, I bet you get this as well, being... A borough fan in london that people if something happens to borough you know that if someone knows you and they hear of it they probably think it of was, you
1: i tell you what it was yeah i do get that and i'll get a text or something and, and yeah you'll say something but there was also when we got when um borough got promoted the last time in fifteen sixteen, i think it was um and i went out all day on the saturday and we you, we were down by all, lo- loads and loads of borough fans down by uh, the south bank in london you know, Tens, like everywhere you turned. And then I was kind of, as I was walking from the South Bank to Waterloo station to come home, pissed out my head at about half past five in the afternoon. But I had my Burr shirt on. So straight, random strangers were coming up to me and shaking my hand and cuddling me and slapped me (laughs) on the back. Like it was my victory. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, know. I'd been to loads of that year. Yeah. So then on the Monday I went back to work. It was when I was on loose swimming and I was still rough because I drank an awful lot. And, uh, like, nobody said anything. And I went, like, nobody said, why are you still rough? What's happening? Because nobody knew it wasn't in their sphere of thinking. And I was like, oh, I'm in the wrong place here. Because somebody would always, you know, oh, bet you, bet you had it at the weekend. But not one comment from anywhere. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the wrong, like, that was the final moment. And I went, yeah, this is totally the wrong job for me. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> because nobody had, nobody had even thought of it. It wasn't even an association. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, because I'm the same as well, because I, you know, as a QPR fan, I, well, I lived in the wrong side of London for a start most of my life and I'm the only QPR fan amongst my friends and normally colleagues so I always think if something QPR I get the text or I think oh they're probably thinking or if you know, like the
1: four year plan turns up on yeah or
0: something. exactly like yeah it's usually I get that or kits people always text me going I've just seen this kit Ash do you like it
1: well every time I see the <laughs> freezing video now Ash I think of you
0: oh yeah he's wearing that Andrew Ridgely yeah. the, the the epitome of a QPR shirt although it's not one of my favorites but people love that Guinness shirt um,
1: I like so, the black and white one as well yeah, the sorry,
0: yeah, the the So, but yeah, Fever Pitch. I would recommend highly. Again, you know, accept the 90s of it. And um, Ruth Gemmell, you may recognise as well. Again, from East Enders. Mark Strong's brilliant in it. Colin Firth is just brilliant anyway, because Colin Firth is a, you know, a top-notch actual Oscar winner, Colin Firth. Indeed, indeed. Um, Nick Horby's actually in it as well. He's the manager of the beaten school team, where he's like, go easy on them, when they're beating them like ridiculous something nil, and the kids are just like, let's go! And they, they don't, but yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of it's filmed at Craven Cottage, is a little nugget I found out today. The terraces, because there's no terraces that, when they filmed this by the time they got to Highbury, so they a lot, a lot of terracing. in uh, um, Craven Cottage and also it's the season of Hillsborough that's also a nice element to the film and I think the, the female character goes oh that's it then, She, she's like well football's over and he just looks at her and just goes oh no, we'll go again next week and people will go again next week, it's like every, everyone felt the sadness but knew that immediately everyone was going to still do the same thing again it's just such many clever things about being a football fan, so well written by, by Nick Hornby but um, I think I can't find that any, anywhere as well so I, I've got the DVD which I'm sure you can pick up pretty cheap now but have a Google to find out where it's available on some sort. I'm sure it's somewhere, if you look hard. <laughs> just don't just, yeah, you know, don't watch the American version first. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, don't
1: watch Jimmy Kimmel. Don't do that. And, and Drew Barrymore. Sorry, um, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon.
0: Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Late night person.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> not, it's not James Corden, so you don't have to worry. Oh, not <laughs> yeah.
1: mentioning his name. Uh, okay, uh,
0: <laughs> the last uh, film we're going to quickly mention uh, is even harder to find. I think you can only find it on YouTube. And annoyingly, one of the parts is missing. I've got the VHS. Yeah,
1: that's how that's how I dealt with it.
0: Yeah, I've got the VHS, which I can only watch when I you know get the VA, uh, the video recorded down from the loft and crank it up, and I will watch some season videos or some Flip goals with going.
1: water and watch the yeah scene go. yeah go
0: go 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 go. Um, it's called my summer with Des. It's a very I want to say not many people remember it. I, for some reason, I loved it at the time. I had it on video. It was on it, it was on T- BBC One, twenty fifth of May, nineteen ninety eight. Then released as a VHS. Um, directed by Simon Curtis, starring Neil Morrissey, uh, who at the time was at the height of his fame, probably. Men behaving badly, of course. A very new to the world, Rachel Vice, who followed this up a year later with The Mummy, which was a you know classic summer action adventure film um and then there's a supporting actor john gordon Sinclair, obviously from gregory's girl which is a, a football a good film.
1: a good 80s football 80s. film
0: i was gonna say it's the 80s i wasn't yeah i thought it was 80s, about
1: 1982 though. i think yeah
0: yeah um and it, it's a really hard film to des- to describe because it's set during year 96 and i think it captures that summer perfectly and the you know the fun the hysteria the i don't know i always struggle to find a word for the summer of 1996 and the kind of, just the fun and it was always hot. Everything
1: was was sunny.
0: Everything was sunny, Brick Pop was playing, the future was bright, England were brilliant. It was, you know, listen to our Euro 96 pods when we did them a few years ago. (laughs) We we waxed lyrical about that summer but they brilliantly capture this in this film and it's Neil looking back on that summer because it starts at France 98 um, where he met this mysterious girl who Rachel Vice plays kind of love interest but she's kind of like a time traveller which made it sound ridiculous but it kind of works. She's kind no, of, it does
1: work, yeah.
0: It's kind of her, his guide through the film. Um, as he breaks up with his uh, f- her first girlfriend at the time, he transitions to a new job, a new way of life, and it's kind of through her and her kind of mysteriousness and her, let's be honest, beautifulness. She's like the classic English rose in this um, set against, you know, a, a summer where England were brilliant. And I don't know, it just works. It's just very, it's a very fun, easy enjoyable watch and it's not silly it could be but i don't think it i, I, don't, I don't think it no ignores. i don't
1: think it tips into silliness really it's just a quite kind of quite a nice sweet um is the wrong word but certainly evocative of the time yeah and you know
0: Des Light, the you know the glue is the whole film together is these little sort of interwebs of des Lynam's commentary and presenting that kind of adds to what's just happened on screen and then at the end there's a cameo with him uh, David Seaman and Peter Shilton in a pub which is that's probably the weirdest part of the film but it can't yeah yeah but by this point you've kind of forgiven the story so um but yeah it's just I don't know check it out on YouTube it's difficult when you're missing a part but there's something really just nice about it and again it's very 90s there's a lot of cliches in it um i remember when i was young that the bit where they're having sex to um the england scotland game and they finish if you like just when uh, the goal goes in is kind of like was it the scotland game or was it the holland game i can't remember now the it's one of scotland
1: the games gas isn't it yeah.
0: yeah so i think it's either one of the games but yeah the, the climax to each each mm. activity happens just in time and, and I think uh, Rachel Vice says, I always laugh when I do that, which for a 15, 16 year old watching it at the time was just like, because <laughs> 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 she's very nice in this. that um, I always remember the scene where he's singing in the street as well, just before the Switzerland game. And he's drunk and he's happy and he's worried about Alan Shearer. And then this random bloke in the top goes, form is temporary, class is permanent, which is the first time I think I'd heard that sort of catchphrase or saying. And then, obviously, Alan Shearer scores at the opening goal of the tournament and uh, becomes a top scorer as well. It's just, yeah, If for anyone who loves Euro 96, and I'm sure that's 90% of the people who are listening to this and hasn't seen my summary Desk, do try and find it. The, apparently, it was meant to be released on DVD, but it was postponed, which I think is a real shame. I don't know what the reasons behind it, but if you've got a VHS player, maybe seek it out on eBay or something like that. Um, or try and fill in the gaps you can if you watch it on, on YouTube. So I think there's seven or eight parts, but I can't even remember which one is missing because I decided to get the LVHS out and uh, watch yeah. it on that. So, which my uh, my four-year-old daughter just couldn't get her head around what the hell this big thick black thing was. I was putting in uh, a, a machine she'd never seen before. She was like, "That's not a DVD." So no, like, no, it really isn't. Really isn't child. It really isn't. So, but yeah. Um, but yeah, check that out as well. The only other one I was going to mention, and I only mentioned this to Joel Sate because before we were texting this morning, he said, We're covering my Jimmy Grimble, aren't we? And I was like, mm, Well, technically, that's a film from 2000. But because you actually spent the time watching it, Joel, give us a quick overview of There's Only One Jimmy Grimble and His Magic Boots.
1: Oh, God. I mean, again, yeah, it, it is just that thing of. Um, <laughs> it's just all so. Manchester City based, isn't yeah. it? You know, Robert Carlyle, he's, uh, Ray Winston's in it as well. And, um, and, a,
0: and a young Samir Gardi who, again, now in Maria and Cory.
1: She's kind of the love interest in it for the 15 year old. Um, yeah, it's it's just he, he um, oh, he's just given an old woman gives Jimmy a pair of boots that once belonged to uh, one of Manchester City's um, great step of players, and then he begins to change, which is basically Billy's boots from *Roy of the Rovers. If yes, it. yeah, it
0: really is,
1: yeah. Uh, um, and for some I, reason, the archetypal Cockney West Ham fan, Ray Winston, is cast as a Manchester City fan, which kept taking me out of it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, again, a strange casting. I haven't literally watched this since probably it was out in the early 2000s, so my memory of it is very sketchy. But it, isn't there like a lead, like a bad guy, like a... Um, Johnny LaRusso from Karate Kid type.
1: Yeah, gorgeous bad. Gordon.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Blonde hair, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: and then just... the mother's got the mother's got a new boyfriend who is Ben Miller of Australian Miller he's fame. So like
0: a, uh, motorbike. He's like a really bad motorbike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like a
1: bad biker, lost yeah. her, just away with a mixer totally. But, is it yeah.
0: G- and it's Gina McKee, isn't it the, the mum? Gina
1: McKee. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I don't. I'm, I'm I'm literally. I'm not even googling this. This is coming from the back of my mind somewhere. Quite sadly, um, it's all right i remember it being all right it's you know when you say when you describe the premise again it's a bit like say in time traveling with des it sounds ridiculous as well magic yeah. boots do, but it kind of works if i remember rightly it's again it's it, you can kill an hour and a half probably it's a, a fine
1: place. bit of fluff for 106 yeah. minutes
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah check that one out as well during lockdown why not um and also i mean we should mention if because i'm going to call this episode VHS and chill <laughs> do you get what i mean mm. um, Get out your old season videos because they're great. I found my um, – I don't know if you had these. They may have done the Middlesbrough versions. They're called Pain and Glory. They're set to goals, set to loads of different um, songs of the era. There's like E17, itself, right. and there's <laughs> random goals to it and stuff. Um, so I've got a QPR version of that. Um, I watched Goals Galore 91, 92 as well VHS. So I was having a bit of a VHS fest before I went to bed on Saturday night um, while I had it set up. So, yeah. <laughs> if there's nothing else to do, watch your old 90s video season reviews and stuff like that, and tell us about it. Goals Galore, Danny Baker, anything. Get on the
1: Danny Bakers, yeah, yeah they on them. YouTube.
0: Yeah, get on them. What's the Vinny Jones one as well? The Hard Men one. I, I don't think no, I've no, seen it. I can't remember. It was, very, it was very bad. He got in trouble for it anyway. Um, but, yeah, check them out, and check out and, and let us know on Twitter, at AK90s, uh, what you watch and how much you enjoy those films, and the ones that we've uh, we've discussed today. Um, well, I enjoyed that. It was a good. Look back, uh, um, some classics from the 1990s. Joe, if ever, anyone wants to talk to you about these classics or Top of the Pops as the, hey, we're nearly
1: at 1990. I know we're nearly there. We're actually nearly there. Yeah. Well, the Stone Roses turned up on Fridays. Um, she bangs the drums, so changes coming. Oh, it's coming. Uh, Where yeah, can people you want find you? Me, the new one? Is uh, Twitter is at Archie's underscore Dad, right, which is the cat um but yeah because just about everything else has gone i want to have mighty joel young but that's gone oh, yes. I can't, that's great <laughs> i can't do it i can't have it as a with a underscore anywhere in it because it's more than 15 characters so uh, i'm annoyed about that so i'm trying to figure out what i can do um somebody help, Joe. but yeah we'll figure it out <laughs> okay um, right Follow me at Ash Rose UK, but as I said,
0: follow the show at AK Nineties on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and we'll we'll be back soon. I've got a couple of episodes in the can, ready to go, talking more nineties nonsense, all for your pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. I've been Ash Rose. He's been Joel Young. Keep it nineties.